All right, we're going to finish up John 13 and get into an amazing section in the book of John. John chapters 14, 15, and 16. Our brother Lemons is in Montana this week, and so we're going to miss his input. But when we hit 15, uh, 14, 15, and 16, he'll have a lot to say because it, it covers a lot about the Spirit, and that's a, it's an amazing section. So, John 13, we're going to start at 31. When he was gone, that's Judas is going off now, and we know what Judas is going to be doing. Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. That's a real difficult sentence to pile your way through, isn't it? Uh, it, it really is. We have to, so let's pull back and have a look at what Jesus is saying because it runs counter to what we think. Back then, the worst thing that can happen to you was crucifixion. Absolutely the worst because it was a death penalty, but the death normally took two days, sometimes longer. And you would, as the old song says, writhing in ang anguish and pain, you would, uh, you would be naked on the cross. Uh, I know they're not in the paintings, but on the real cross you were because it was part of the humiliation. You also were not high. The feet were never more than a foot or so above the ground so that people could mock you to your face as you died. And you will always find those people. It's just amazing. I've had people say, where'd they find people? Where'd the Germans find people to run the camps? They're here too. You will always find people willing to do horrible things to others. And just the best thing to do is just not be surprised when it happens. Anyway, that, that's the very opposite of glory to us. Glory to us is, let's talk about Queen Elizabeth, shall we? Uh, and by the way, don't, don't misread this. I have no animus toward the woman at all. Now, she's kept Britain free from Charles for years, and we're, we're very grateful for that. But when she was coronated, and you can find film of this on YouTube, uh, it's all black and white. You know, and here she comes down in a carriage, and the announcers are saying in hushed voices how much gold is in the carriage. You know? And then uh, her, the jewels and how, much the, how many diamonds were in her dresses and of course in the crown, and they're going on and on about all of this. And here's the thing, I don't think anybody was thinking about that today. I mean, it was glorious in every way to walk into St. Paul's there, or St. Peter's rather, um, and to, to, to walk up that, that aisle towards, I mean, my goodness, you could not have more glory than this. And it's forgotten. You know, historians will have it, and I don't have the numbers anymore of what it was. But we still talk about Jesus. And it is weird. You know, in human terms, you just can't figure this out. Why is this glory? But it is. And we all know this. He died for us, came back to show us that death no longer has the final say. Death, that, and that's the point of it, is to show us eternal life. He did show them scars. We have eternal life, but we will get scars. And that's something we need to remember, especially if you're one of those people who watches religious TV. Don't do that. 
they just, there's just so much wrong there. But one of the things that really gets to me is the triumphalism. We're, you know, we got all this, we got all this. And I keep thinking, have you read Jeremiah? Uh, Jeremiah, and, and I saw it again today. Somebody posted it on Twitter. Remember, everyone, God's promise to us, you know, I have good things for you. And, and it quotes out of Jeremiah. And I'm going, he, that was to Jeremiah. You know, if you're not a Jew in captivity that's about to be taken against your will to Egypt, this verse may not apply to you. But people have this triumphalism. We started with the worst thing that could ever happen, and God glorified that. And look what he calls himself. Now the son of man. That's a weird phrase for us, but it wasn't for them. It basically meant average Joe. Now, was Jesus average? No, but he wanted to make sure all of us understood his humanity. He was human. You see, when I was a boy, I would discount a lot. I I would. I would think, all right, he took the nails and that was awful, but he knew that he was going to come back in a few days. And you can take anything for, for a bit. I would dismiss the humanity of it. Uh, I would, you know, Jesus never said, well, of course he was gone. I, I dismissed it, and therefore I lost the meaning and the glory in a human being going through this, knowing he didn't have to. Remember the old song, he could have called 10,000 angels? He really could. Uh, it, it's a very maudlin tune, and I think that's why it's kind of fallen out of favor. Uh, and you have to have the right words in the right tune. Because if, the, if you don't like, oh, happy day, worst tune ever. Oh, happy day, that fakes my joy. Oh, oh. Except the world's worst one is, you know, my precious Savior suffered pain and agony. He bore it all. Like, it's happy. You know, it really hurt. I think we need a new tune for this. He was human was also glorifying you because he was offering eternal life to you and this had to happen first he had to show you what it's all about so let's see if we can get this in order now the son of man this person who represents humanity uh, and spoiler alert june july and august the sermons will all be out of the book of hebrews There are 13 Sundays, there are 13 chapters. And again and again and again in Hebrews, the humanity is placed right beside the deity. And you've got to know both. And to the point where there were groups of Christians that would spring up later that would say he wasn't God until he was baptized. Or he wasn't God until he hit the cross. Or he wasn't God... And, and we're going to talk about those people. And they had names. And that was considered heresy as it should be. John, the Apostle John, wrote, If anyone comes to you and denies that Jesus came in the flesh, I have nothing to do with him. We have to understand. And he was not talking there about your non-believing neighbor. He's talking about a teacher of a false doctrine. Son of man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. Is God ever glorified by human beings? Oh, yes, he is. 
sitting over there this morning, which has kind of become our perch for a while. We, we'll probably move again. We do that from time to time. When we went over there, it was, uh, it was easy because nobody was there and the church wasn't that full. Now, <laughs> it's kind of full. Anyway, sitting there, I, I, I said, wow. And I turned to my wife and I said, listen to the church sing. Some of the ways you sang today, just boom, hit me. And that happens a lot. That's not an un uncommon thing. Human beings can glorify God. And God be glorified through them. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. What does it mean? God is welcoming, well, can't say the word, welcoming us into community, mutual care, mutual work. It is a dance in the universe. Just let God lead, but it is a dance. He gives, we give. He takes, we take. We move with God. We are yoked to him. Back in the old days, you'd get a well-experienced ox or mule or whatever you had, and you'd put it with the new one, and you'd yoke him because the old one knew the speed, the direction, and what to do. And the, old one, and the new one couldn't go too fast or too slow. God hears you saying, now we're partners. Now we work together. You'll, you'll see some of this here in just a bit. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. Now, did they understand what was about to happen? No, but they knew something was. Because this was odd talk. And then Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now take verses 34 and 35 and look at that structure and then look at verse 31, 32 and see that structure and see if you don't see some similarities. How is God being glorified and how do we glorify him? And how does he glorify us? Take a look at the structure. Love. Now the story is told, and, and it comes from a very, very good source, by the way. You know, it, I'd say it's, you know, half an inch from history, probably is history. But John, the Apostle John, uh, lived into his 90s. And they would bring him on, on a, what do you call it, a stretcher, a litter? They'd bring him in to, to preach to the church. Well, he would raise himself up on an elbow, and he would say, say little children love one another. And that's about all he could do. He'd lower himself back down. Well, the writer of this was a follower of John and uh, left us quite a few uh, documents. He said that the young people came to him and said, Brother John, you, know, you, you bless us in everything you say. Can you give us something else this time? Can you give us new? He raised himself on the elbow and said, A new commandment I give to you. Love one another. Because it is new. It's all the time. You have to think about it. Do you remember what I told you about the students when I said pick somebody and dislike them? You can do that like this. If you're honest, you can. I don't like their size. I don't like, uh, you know, or that man looked at that woman and all men are evil. Whatever it is, you can pick it out. 
because you're looking at the outside. But once you hear story, to like somebody, you have to know story. Well, you don't, people don't wear their story. You have to be in community. You have to decide to love. Don't you? You know, I think, I think I'm married the easiest person in the world to be married to. But I know that we have to decide to be kind and nice and such. And, and we are. We still do that please and thank you and excuse me. And we do all of that because we have chosen to, to show love. That's what we're going to do. You know, when I wake up in the morning, especially this morning, <laughs> the alarm went off and I was thinking, that's impossible. That is completely wrong. And then I'm over there trying to stop it. And sometimes my phone decides not to. And, and it's, uh, it's finally, I'm swimming toward the surface. I do not wake in the morning going, I love everybody. I don't do that. I'm the other one. I, you know, the worst thing I have to do any day is wake up. It's like, oh, seriously? This is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And then I got to go talk to people. But look at that structure. How do you glorify God? You love people. Now, I've talked about the singing. The singing is fantastic. I think it glorifies God. When we gather at the table for the Lord's Supper, I think that glorifies God. When we pray, I, I think that glorifies God. But what he's asking for is love. So Paul will even say, even if I give my body to be burned, if I don't have love, it's nothing. Love trumps everything. It, it just does. Love, um, love covers a multitude of sins. Um, the Bible talks about faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Uh, Paul once again says in Galatians, the, the, the entirety of our faith is living in love. Living out our faith in love. And that's a decision. For some of you, like my mom, that's easy. My mom wakes up loving people. She did not share that gene with me. And I always tell her, I want to be just like you, and I'm terrified and more like my dad. And she just says, oh, and she smiles and tells me how great things are. <laughs> okay. She had a really hard day in the hospital, a lot of pain. And right before she hung up, she goes, yeah, but life is good. Okay. Wow. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? You see, Simon Peter wasn't hearing verses 34 and 35. He heard something else, and what happened? We talked about it in the sermon. He shut down. He went back to there. Wait, 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 wait. You're going somewhere? What did Peter not hear? He didn't hear the love thing. And later in Acts, you see he never got it because he started racial discrimination and had to be pulled twice back into there, once by God in Acts 10, and the other by Paul withstanding him to his face. He missed a part of love because he shut down because he heard Jesus was going somewhere. It's like, oh, we're going? Wow. By the way, I love Peter because I shut down too. I hear something and doop, gone. Then Jesus says, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Wow, you get a chill when you read that? 
Now, I don't know that he was talking about the way Peter would die. Again, close to history, might be history, but not enough evidence to call it history that Peter was taken and changed to Rome and um, condemned to be crucified. And he said, I don't deserve to be crucified like my Savior. So they crucified him upside down. That's the story. I don't know. I know the Romans did kill him. The how is not really important. And in fact, even being killed is not that important. We all will take that journey. You're, you're Americans. Um, Appalachia tuna, I think, maybe a southern tin. You got to walk that lonesome valley. You got to walk it by yourself. I've heard several versions of that song, and they're all rather chilling but wonderful songs. Um, I'm a poor wayfaring stranger. There's another one. We are going to take that journey. You know, um, wow. So, look what he, Peter says Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. I don't think Peter was lying. Peter was just misunderstanding what was going on. Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. Well, that's not something you want to hear from Jesus. No, you want to hear something else. But I don't want you to miss what just happened. He calls them children says, love one another, even though he knows what Peter's going to do. There is still no condemnation. Kind of like the, the woman caught in adultery. Yes, I know that that passage is not in the earliest manuscripts, but I like it, so I'm going to talk about it. Whenever he looks around and says, Who is, who's, is, is there not anybody here that would condemn you? And she goes, there's no one. He says, neither do I. Go and leave your life of sin. He didn't say, if you leave your life of sin, I will not condemn you. He already wasn't condemning her before she made a change. Love has to be huge. St. Peter, I know you're going to deny me three times, but here's the thing. I love you, and I know all of this, but I love you anyway. That's, you see the enormity of this? And why John wrapped this all in the same passage? Because what has just happened? Somebody left. Judas. Where does he ever say, and I don't like that Judas. You know, doesn't say it. The love in scripture is massive if you don't read scripture as a hunt and peck rule book. Let me find a rule. No, no, no. Look at the story. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. I want to stop right there. When I was a boy, I memorized this and um, the version Paul used, the King James. That's not true, people. Um, and then I had to memorize it again in a revised standard version. I'm sorry, American standard version, 1901, which is my father's favorite version. So that's what we used. And it would talk about there are many mansions. The word really is rooms, and, and we know that that's true. Now, so what does that mean? You're invited to live in God's house. I'm, I'm fixing up a room for you in my house. So it's not like a mansion over here. I, 
I don't want to take anybody's joy away. And if you love mansion on a hilltop, you just go right ahead. I, I, just, I can't sing it. First of all, it's a lie for me, the first line. I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, a little silver, a little gold. Not so much. I kind of like a bigger one and more gold, wouldn't you? <coughs> if you're thinking right now, no, no, I couldn't handle any more blessings, you're a better person than I. And then it goes and tells God, it puts in your order that in that city where the ransom will shine, I want a gold one that's silver lined. Really? You want a house that's built like, not being political, Trump's bathroom with gold-plated stuff? And I'm going, ah, no. It's opposite for me. I'd love a mansion down here. Get to heaven, I'll live in a tent. Do you understand what I mean? I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. I think that that's a great comforting thought. And that's why I'm saying I don't want to take away your joy. If you can sing that song with joy, sing it with joy. God bless you. Because it is a joyful song about mansion. But really, the text, and, and the reason I'm saying that this is what it is, King James people did not have access to the oldest manuscripts. They had access to very corrupted manuscripts. We keep finding new manuscripts that are old. So how do you phrase that? Uncovering older manuscripts. And we, we learn how they use the words. So now we know it means come live in my house. But I'm going to put it together for you. Now Randy Alcorn makes um, a rather big deal out of that. If you read his book what would that have been? That would have been like 2010 uh, Heaven by Randy Alcorn. It was a big deal. Uh, big deal. It was, people just had it everywhere. And it was, it's a good book, by the way. Uh, I do recommend it. I don't know if I agree with everything in it, but hey, I'm still learning. So read the book. And he talks about God is still constructing heaven for us. He's still putting it together. And he shows in scripture, he's got, he's got some good arguments how more and more of it is revealed and more details are given as you go through scripture if you arrange it chronologically. But I, I just want you to know, I, f I find that very cool. I know that whenever, uh, let's say my wife's parents are coming, she goes all out to prepare the room for them. You understand that, right? To make them welcome, to make them comfortable, to make sure that they hang about for a while. And he goes, if it was not so, I would, have told, would I have told you that I'm going there to a place? You know, in other words, trust me. When I say I'm going to prepare a place for you, trust me. That's so hard. Everybody confuses their humility with godliness. And so if we say, are you sure you're going to heaven? They'll say, well, I hope so. Really? Really? No. He says you're, you're saved. Get over it. You're going. Be happy, enjoy the ride. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. I want you to think about that for a while. I've never heard anybody talk about this. When Jesus talked about the, the rich man and Lazarus, do you remember that story? And the, uh, the rich man died and opened his eyes in torment. The poor man died. And what happened just right after? carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. 
that seems to have changed. We're not going to be carried by angels. Jesus says, I'll come back for you. I'll get you. When you die, I truly believe that Jesus comes and takes you home. Because it's his house. Say, come on, you live here now. Let me show you your place. Yes, Tim. Exactly. That is an excellent, excellent point. Tim is saying, for some reason, the, uh, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, has come back to him this week repeatedly. And as we're reading this, he is hearing the echoes of that. Absolutely. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He will lead me by... Who will lead you? He will lead you by still waters. So I, I do not expect angels to come after me. I expect the guy that has taken me to his house to take me to his house. Did you ever notice that change? Before, the righteous had the angels. Now, you've upgraded. you got a seat in first class. I just find that cool. i got a little chill there. If you don't get chills, you're not paying attention. And look at this. You know the way to the place where I am. Now, Thomas speaks first. And again, you've heard me just do not call him Doubting Thomas. He's fantastic. Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? That's a legitimate question, is it not? Absolutely, it's legitimate. Jesus says this, and this is so profound. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Why do we complicate this? What is the way to Jesus' house? Is acting like Jesus. There you go. In fact, in the scripture, it, will, it doesn't say, and the attendance of the church grew. It'll say the word spread. What's the word? It's Jesus. My wife and I last Wednesday went to join um, 300 plus Muslims. Enti the entire group, I had the number, and I don't it was like 405. But it was all, we had some Christians, some Jews, uh, a couple Baha'i that I knew. <coughs> and we're all celebrating iftar with them. And this is the first time for my wife, and I'm sure she had many, many questions she wasn't asking. Uh, but I think that if you go talk to her later, she will tell you about the warmth and welcome we received from everybody and how people would come over and talk. And it wasn't because I'm such a great guy. It all started two, and a, two years ago when we did a 36-hour, I've often called it 48, and I went back and looked at my notes. It was a 36-hour retreat with the Muslims, and I was the only Christian minister on site for most of that time because Josh, who had started, had a funeral, and he, had to, he was pulled out for that. 
And I found the only way to get past the antagonism, because it was antagonistic, the first eight hours were not pleasant for me. Until finally somebody said something, what they said is not important. And I kind of raised my hand and they all looked at me because they all knew, you know, this is the one, the only, only representative. I said, I'd like to push back on that a little bit. The room got very quiet. I told a Jesus story. Jaws dropped, and the person who had said what they said said, where is that? I told them, and they're actually going online to look for it. And I said, and when you get there, it's going to lead to a different story. And I began to tell that story, changed everything. People are hungry for Jesus stories. Even Muslims are hungry for Jesus stories. What is the way to God? Tell Jesus stories and be a Jesus story. In the way that you live, in the way that you act. You know, they separated. It was very different this time because normally they send the women to a different room to pray. They have to do their prayers before uh, they break the fast. It's technically not true because they do have one fig uh, to remind them of the sweetness of their faith. And then they, but this time they put them in the same room but in separate sections. Kind of like the women over here, the men over here. Whenever they do their prayers, I always walk over and stand quietly. Just as a sign fellowship and respect. I'm not going to get down. I'm not going to be doing the inshallah. I'm not going to do, no. Uh, but I'll stand there out of respect. And they care. They see it. And it breaks a little wall so they feel like they can ask me more questions. But it's love that breaks the door down. And it's the love of Jesus that tells us how to do it. Martin Luther King Jr., man, I wish I had this quote. I have looked for it. I read it once, years ago, and thought, oh, that's cool. I found out that he was really borrowing this from Gandhi. But the quote goes something like, I will love you. If you hate me, I will love you. If you beat me, I will love you. If you knock me down, I will love you. And if you kill me, I will die loving you. Whoa. That rocked my world. It really did. It's... um. It's, it's not my personality. I know it's hard to believe because I, I seem to be a daisy among men. Yesterday, first, we were all there for Nolensville soccer and watching our eight-year-old play, and there was a guy that went just ballistic, angry at a call or something, went over and shoved my son-in-law. Now, if you've not seen Josh, he's a big guy. He's an athlete. And Josh just kept, you know, working and such. We almost cleared the benches, like in a baseball thing, to go after the guy. And a couple of us, us, I was one of them, and there's another retired Marine there, just went and stood between that guy and Josh. We didn't say anything to him, we just stood there. The guy was saying stuff to us, and, all, and he got kicked off the field, by the way. The people that run the field said, you got to go. And uh, he took his kid and went home, and we're thinking kid can we keep the kid we could save the kid all the way out the guys so we're driving home Cammie's asking what was all that about and I was telling her and uh, I said here's the thing that really annoys me Josh will probably call him this afternoon and say hey buddy what can we do to make this better 
And she goes, why does that annoy you? Always, no, she didn't ask quite, because she knows. I, I, I would have, you know, pulled my phone out and hit him with it. You know, I, I need to be reminded of the Jesus story and that I'm supposed to be a part of the Jesus story. I have a persistent sin, and I, I do not hide these things from you because we all are in this together. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And I love what Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. Have, it, have you ever said that? I certainly have. I've been in classrooms and universities where the professor is mocking faith in God, mocking scripture, and mocking Christians. Very harsh, very painful. And I've just thought, you know, God, if you just stick your hands down and go, that's all I'm asking. You don't have to say anything. Or just walk through and go, idiot, and just keep going. I'm not asking for a big thing here. I have, I have asked the Philip question. Randy. Mansion on the hilltop, okay. Do you still want a gold one that's silver lined? You're allowed to. You, you can put in your order. In the tabernacle and the temple, yes. Oh, absolutely. It's taking, uh, the song is absolutely taking what is meant as a symbol and is singing it with symbols. I'm sure people aren't asking for a real house, you know, made with gold. Uh, let's talk about that. Uh, the, the, the book of Revelation, which almost didn't make it in the Bible, it was kicked out a few times. It was 396. It was the last one of the books that they said, okay. Uh, and, the, you know, some of the churches, like the Orthodox Church, only uses it on Easter where they stand and read the whole thing, which I find fascinating. I'd, I'd actually like to be there for that. I think that could be fun. Um, anyway, you read in Revelation, it'll say you had this, you had uh, streets made of gold, and you had this, that, and the other. Do we really believe that there will be earthly elementals in heaven? I don't think so. I think we all understand that this is symbolic. 
And so that's why I was saying, I don't want to steal your joy. Because if you're singing that song metaphorically with symbols, go for it. But I, I struggle with being honest in the first verse. The other verses I can actually sing. Um, the chorus still gives me trouble. But again, it's me. I'm one of God's problem children. I'm, I'm not one of the easy ones to raise. You know, I even said that to mom this week. And I said, I know it wasn't very easy raising me. And she was going, oh, sure it was. I'm thinking selective memory is a beautiful thing. Cammie and I will watch the show Young Sheldon. And I keep saying, this is more like deja vu. This is, seems familiar to me somehow. And um, she doesn't laugh. She just shakes her head, weeps a little bit quietly. Lord, show us the Father. That's all we're looking for. And Jesus replies, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Huge in our summer series on Hebrews. This is huge. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father's in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Back to that passage in uh, chapter 13 about how this all works, the glory part. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. I've actually had to use this when I've had people that I've talked to that don't believe in God and that are struggling. And I give some Christian evidences. They're still struggling. And one man, and I got this from somebody. I don't remember who. This is years ago. But I've, I've been able to use it a couple times. When this one man goes, you know, I see this, but there's another way to interpret it. And so how can I know there's a God? And my response was, watch me. If you can figure out another reason that a man like me would be doing what I'm doing, go with it. But I'm a broken person, full of errors and weaknesses, and yet I am living a life of love and kindness and inclusiveness. Why? And it got real quiet, and he nodded. Now, if this is a preacher thing, I would tell you how I baptized him. I didn't. I see people, and I'll go, that's a Christian. You can tell. Christ is in that person. I see many of them here. I, I love this church. Just, you guys blow me away. I meant to say this during a sermon, but I forgot. Um, this is a mess. But I don't hear people complaining. I don't. And when we first started this morning, I was thinking, all right, my church is now gone until we're done. They're not coming back. Because this was sparse, and there's nobody up there. By the time he was done with the second song, this was full, and two-thirds, I think, of that were full, because people were coming in from there, and they were sitting. And I, and I, I looked around going, wow. How'd they find their way in? Front doors are shut. Side doors are limited. You, you impress me. I've not heard anybody say, when is this going to be over? I don't like it. It's amazing. So kudos to you guys. But watch, you know, watch me. Explain why I do what I do. Think about this a while. Were there other people who claimed to be Messiah? Like Thutis, he's mentioned. Yeah, there were. 
What was the difference between all of those false messiahs? And Jesus is going to talk a lot about that in Matthew 24. And Jesus. Well, <coughs> because we're, we have one minute to go. All of the other ones were going for power and used power to get power. Swords, lances, mobs. Jesus completely refused power and pushed love. How much different is this? I put up on Twitter yesterday, guys, I don't want to start something, but I'm beginning to get the idea that politicians may not have our best interests at heart. Well, that turned into a pretty popular tweet. Jesus has our best interests at heart. Is there ever anything in Jesus that is him-focused rather than them? What miracle did Jesus do for himself? The miracles were for others. God raised him. Jesus gave, and he said, this is the way the kingdom works. You be part of us. You be part of, the, of who God wants us to be. And I'm going to shut it down there, and I'm really hoping that Albert is back and healthy next week because I would really like his insights, especially as we get into 15 and, and 16. Uh, a lot of Holy Spirit stuff I think we need to look at. All right? And if you want to read ahead and spoil everything for everybody, you can read uh, Hebrews. Because we're going to do one chapter a week. That's our plan. God bless.